0: Good morning. Uh, My name is Bob and I serve as one of the elders here at CB and it's good to be here with you on the third Sunday of Advent. Let's pray. Dear Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for loving us. Uh, We love you and we want to and need to grow in that and we need your help with that. Thank you for the gift of of Jesus in our lives. We're so thankful. Help us to listen well this morning and respond well to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. There is hope in perfection. And perfection is awesome, isn't it? Our world, though... Many, many big problems uh, pollution, uh, violence, uh, corruption, hunger, uh, religious conflict, uh, disease, uh, slavery, trafficking, uh, to name a few. And there is this belief that we can solve them. Of course, anarchists want to withdraw from the whole thing. And Survivalists, I guess anarchists want to overthrow the whole thing, don't they? Yeah, I think it's preppers or survivalists that they want to withdraw from the whole thing, right? Is that right? They want to go to Montana? Yeah. (laughs) But many of us who remain believe that we can solve the problems by creating personal perfection, family perfection, societal perfection, Governmental perfection, all kinds of perfection. If we just think about it more, if we just study it more, if we just work harder. Think tanks thinking, researchers researching, manufacturers manufacturing, developers developing, politicians politicking, workers working, working, and workaholics. (laughs) Workaholing. Better diplomacy will finally solve North Korea. Better information will finally end sexual assault. Better laws will finally create racial reconciliation. Better research will finally cure cancer and other diseases. Better economics will finally yield endless prosperity. Busy. Busy, busy. Endless striving. You know, we can do it. It's, it's just around the corner. Fail, failure is not an option. We think we can. We think we can. We, th- we think we can. Yeah. And we, we human beings, the pinnacle of wisdom and power in the universe, can do it. <laughs> Ah, ah. Mm. Hey, I've been practicing my maniacal laugh. <laughs> mm. okay. Okay. Sounds a bit silly, doesn't it? But when we're honest, don't we each have, have some of that inside ourselves? If we're honest, some honest people here today. Perfection seeking. And when we're honest... There is no hope in perfection. Human effort will never perfect anything. Endless striving leads to nothing but anxiety, idolatry, medicating the pain, and finally death. Am I saying that these problems aren't important or that God doesn't care about them? No, absolutely not. I never said that. I'm saying that our best thoughts Striving and work can't solve them. But there is a hope that ends perfection. A hope that finally says, I can't fix this. I need help. We can't fix this. We need help. The Gospel of Luke is about Jesus Christ. Amen. Luke chapter 1 begins with a Jewish. Priest in the temple. In the middle of his duties in the heart of the temple, Zacharias, a priest, didn't believe and was struck dumb. He couldn't talk. A great opportunity to listen. You know. And by the end of that chapter, he spoke boldly what he believed. Sounds like he was in process just like us. You know. Luke is about salvation. And Luke 19.10 nails it. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Hopelessly lost. Luke 2.22-39 is our passage. It, it is a chiasm, meaning the heart of its message is smack dab in the center. Look at the text. It rolls right to the middle. Here is a, here's a summary. A place on the outsides, moving in, a couple of believers, a couple of blessings, and a baby. We will look from both ends, from top down and bottom up, right to the center. Sound good? Well, the bookends of our section focus on the temple, a geographic place in Jerusalem. First bookend, verses 22 through 24. And when the time came for their perfection, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy. Holy. To the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord: a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Mary and Joseph brought their their baby to the temple. Just one verse earlier, they had named him Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel told Mary, name him Jesus. In Matthew, chapter 1, it records that an angel in a dream told Joseph to name him Jesus. Okay? They collaborated and named him Jesus. Good call. Forty days after the birth, mother and father and baby arrived at the t- temple to fulfill the law because Mary and Joseph loved God. And keeping the law was an expression of their love for God. Some background from the Old Testament. Genesis chapters 1 and 2, very good. Garden of Eden. Genesis 3 and forward, pretty bad. Human sin. Yet, even within Genesis chapter 3, there is a preview of hope. Verse 15. Hope in some descendant of Eve The snake would bite him on the heel, and as we know, some snake bites are fatal. But he would finally crush Satan's head. God chose Abraham, the man of faith, to form a family of faith, the Jews. And the Jews were supposed to be, one, holy, and two, a light to the nations and they weren't particularly holy, and they didn't shine the light, keeping the Gentiles, us, in the dark. The Old Testament shows that all human beings are sinners and need salvation. And when would this descendant come? Dozens of generations came and went, born and died. Is, Is he the one? No. Yeah. Oh, he, he must be the one. No, not, not, not him either. Uh, probably not him. Uh, he, he's probably the one. No, he's not the one either. Okay. No, 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 no. Waiting, waiting. Waiting some more. Uh, adventing. Waiting for that descendant. Chronicles, in the Hebrew Scripture order, is the very last book in the hebrew scriptures. Okay? It summarizes well the sin, death and hope of the old testament. First Chronicles 1:1, the very first word, Adam. The very first sinner in full partnership with his wife. Chronicles takes us back to and starts with Genesis. And the very last verse in 2nd Chronicles, the very last verse points us to a temple in Jerusalem where a non-Jewish king in charge of a bunch of nations says, we're going to build a temple. Let them go up. Wow. Hope. The Old Testament ends with it as we enter about 400 years preceding New Testament times. More sin and death and yet a hope that remained among genuine believers. At the end of the 400 years, what I call Y-0-K, people were still messed up and needing salvation. Okay, (laughs) And the temple, run by broken people, was exhibit A of the broken system. On the one hand, it was the geographic location, place in the world, crucial for meeting God and for salvation. On the other hand, it was a fallen, corrupt system. Gentiles walled out of the temple when it was supposed to be a place of worship for all the nations. Big problem. Now, back to Mary and Joseph. They didn't show up to overthrow it, to to withdraw from it, or to strive for personal, societal, governmental perfection within it. They were righteous and devout. Following the law, you know, purification, presentation, sacrifice, was an expression of turning their face to God. Others, in contrast, like the Pharisees, turned their face to the law and in so doing didn't love God or people even though they thought they did. They were too self-perfect. They had humanly humanly perfected themselves. And their self-proclaimed perfection blinded them to the way and the truth and the life. Mary and Joseph believed God and lived by faith, not by sight. Sounds like there's something in this for us today. Amen? How about the second bookend at the end of our passage? Verse 39. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. When Mary and Joseph fulfilled the law, they they traveled the 80 miles back home. Well, we've looked at a place, the temple. As we zoom in, we see two people who are waiting, who are Adventing. Let's meet Simeon and Anna, verses 25 and 26. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And, verses 36 through 38, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer day and night, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon and Anna were flat out legit believers. <laughs> In their world, uh, big problems, corrupt religious and government systems, uh, the Romans, uh, uh, Herod the, the, the Great, great builder, but, but also a, a world-class, paranoid, homicidal, megalomaniac. Okay. Huge problems back then, too. People all around Simeon and Anna were calculating and concocting perfect schemes to create perfection. Zealots plotting to overthrow the Romans. The Essenes, withdrawing to Montana, I mean the desert. The Pharisees, smugly perfecting the art of self-proclaimed perfection. The Sadducees, I imagine wearing hats that read, Make Judea great again. (laughs) Kind of like our world today in some ways, we think we can, we think we can, we think we can. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, while E. Coyote comes to mind. Totally obsessed with the next perfect, ludicrous contraption to order from Amazon. I mean, uh, I mean, Acme Corporation, okay, totally totally looney tunes, doing the, the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result, right? All to, to achieve meal perfection, okay? And I think when we're honest, isn't there, isn't there some wily coyote in each one of us here today? Yeah. I think if we're honest, yeah. In the midst of all these people running around, Simeon and Anna were the real deal. There is no evidence in the text that I could find. That Simeon and Anna were packing weapons, were packing to move out of the culture, were running through the streets of Jerusalem with a pack du jour, or even forming a political action committee. Ben, do you see anything like that in our passage? Okay. I, I don't either. Okay. So <clears throat> Simeon and Anna were the, were the real deal. Simeon, righteous and devout. Anna, worshipped with fasting and prayer day and night. She was a fixture in the temple. Simeon, a prophet. Anna, a prophetess. Simeon was waiting, adventing, for the consolation of Israel. Anna was talking about Jesus to others who were adventing, waiting, for the redemption of Jerusalem. She was... Sounds like welcoming everyone into Jesus' life. Is that right? Simeon means hearing. He listened and responded in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Anna means grace. She received a gift that first Christmas. Was grateful and thanked God. Simeon, a wise elder kind of man. Anna, also wise and pretty old an amazing, godly woman. Two old people with soft, believing hearts, seeking, experiencing, and leaning into Jesus for life. Like some of you here, and like like all of us want to be. Simeon and Anna hoped in God. They were all in. One more thing, I noticed that Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit, you won't die until you see the Messiah. And what did Simeon do? He went to the very place he was most likely and most certainly to meet the Messiah. Well, wouldn't that now make him eligible to die? (laughs) Yes, but he didn't care about that. That's amazing. A, a foreshadowing of Jesus' words to us take up your cross and follow me. Imagine life together, all of us together, all in. Well, we've looked at a place and we've looked at two exemplary believers. Now, Simeon speaks a couple of true spiritual reality blessings a prayer, and a prophecy. First, Simeon blessed God, verses 27 and 28. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child to Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, We'll soon read what he said. But in these verses, a long time coming meeting, okay, Mary and Joseph, quite the couple of years, I would say. Angelic announcements, angelic visitations, dreams, pregnant by the Holy Spirit, long dangerous travel, birth given in a manger, Shepherds running around, angelic hosts flying around, and a whole lot of ponderings and perplexities along the way of the life of faith. Amen? <laughs> That's quite a couple years. Okay. Simeon and Anna waiting, adventing for the Messiah for God knows how long. Then they all met. Simeon, still in the Spirit, took and embraced Jesus, the holy babe and blessed God. Simeon thanked God for the gift of Jesus. What, what specifically did Simeon pray? It is the heart of our passage. Let's push pause yet again, and we'll get to it. Simeon not only blessed God, he also blessed the parents, Joseph and Mary. Verses 33-35. through 35. Simeon blessed both parents who were still marveling at the prayer that we're going to read soon. And Simeon spoke directly to Mary. But it doesn't, to me, really sound like a a blessing. The fall and rising of many, a sign that is opposed, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Not what you would normally say to a mom about her precious baby. Anybody ever say anything like this at a baby shower? That's what I thought. We're, We're probably not prophets. But this is a prophecy. So, what kind of life can this baby expect? Sounds like difficulty and pain both for himself and for others associated with him including especially his mother, Mary, who had already experienced much pain giving birth. But if we can believe it, even much more and deeper soul pain to come, like a sword piercing through her own soul. Sounds like his life somehow confronting people with an important decision. Of course, peeking ahead, we know that Jesus came to die. But let's let's stay in chapter 2 right right now. And time, Time to push unpause on Simeon's prayer, the center of our passage. Simeon's prayer of blessing, thanking God. Rembrandt's painting, titled, Simeon's Song of Praise, likely his very last work, as it was found in his workshop the day after he died in 1669. Here's what Simeon said. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for, your, for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon, holding the child, sees God's salvation. Simeon sees Jesus. Simeon experiences Jesus, God with him. Simeon touches Jesus. Jesus touches Simeon. The name Jesus means God is salvation. Jesus is salvation for Jew and Gentile alike and together. Simeon declares, God, your promise is legitimate. You have kept your word. Simeon proclaims, I am at peace and I'm ready to die. Wow. Jesus, uh, Emmanuel, God with us, Prince of Peace in this busy, striving for for perfection world, even and especially during this Christmas season. Uh, like, Like Simeon, when we experience the deep peace of Jesus, we are truly able to live each day because we are prepared to die. Viewing Simeon's prayer and prophecy together remind us of a few important relational truths about Jesus. One, the incarnation. The holy God, human Jesus was born and lived a completely holy, sinless life for his whole life. He knows what it's like to experience temptation like us, yet without sin. And two, the crucifixion. Jesus was born to die a painful death for the sins of broken people like you and me and the whole world. And God raised him to life on the third day. Yes. A bite from a poisonous snake. But Jesus crushed Satan's head. Good news for us human beings who can't perfect anything. Forgiveness of sins, because Jesus died for our sins. And he forgives us every time we repent. And help for abundant life transformation Because Jesus lived a perfect life, he helps us in the process of becoming more loving and obedient and holy. We need that too. At the temple, Simeon and Anna were laser-focused on the true spiritual gospel realities because they hoped in Jesus. (laughs) Today, the temple is not a geographic location. It is believers, Christians together. According to 1 Corinthians, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. According to Ephesians, the temple illustrates the life of the church, meaning meaning believers. With Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, And the rest of us are extremely valuable, precious stones in that temple. Bought with a high price. Jesus, the cornerstone, keeps us in alignment and heading the right direction. Without Jesus and the proper foundation and starting point, we we become crooked, don't we? And Jesus keeps us together In unity, without other believers, we become just loose rocks out there somewhere. Here at CB, we are living out true spiritual gospel reality, hoping only in Jesus and growing in it, together listening and responding in obedience to the Holy Spirit All in, and growing in it, grateful, talking about Jesus, both with each other, and with people in mega scurry mode during Christmas time, yet totally missing the Christ. Anyone here still plan to buy one or more gifts this week? Okay. Yeah. Number of hands go up. I'm I'm here to, to help you at this moment. Uh, an insert in today's newspaper <clears throat> called uh, "Last Minute uh, Last Minute Gift Ideas" with a big alarm clock there. Okay. I don't really know what's what's in here. I don't I don't really plan to read it. Okay. I don't know what you're gonna buy if you buy one or more gifts this week, but I guess I've got another idea for you. Are you open to one more idea? One more idea. Jesus is the gift. And Jesus bought the gift. The gift has already been bought and delivered. The gift just needs to be spoken and believed and accepted. Here's my gift idea. Talk with someone about Jesus this week. Tell someone who Jesus is and what he means to you and what he's done for you. That, that's a, that's a last-minute gift idea. That's actually a first-minute gift idea. That's a, a middle-minute gift idea. That's actually an any-minute idea, right? Wow. The Gospel of Luke begins with an unbelieving priest struck dumb with the grace gift of silence so he would pay attention and believe. I believe we've been listening this morning to God's word. And Luke is all about believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Repent and believe. Repent of our sins and be forgiven. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our only hope. Finally, the Gospel of Luke ends the very last verse. Very last verse in Luke with wise believers worshiping with great joy and continually in the temple praising God. Believers waiting for Jesus to return the second time (laughs) models for us. Jesus is our life. And as we remember His first coming, as we wait for His second coming, as we, as we love God and people and are growing in it, as we invite everyone into Jesus' life, as we worship and praise God together with loud and joyous voices, we hope in Jesus. Like I said at the beginning, yet completely different, there is hope in perfection. Amen. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. It means everything to us. That's our, Jesus, you are our only hope. We are so grateful, so thankful. Thank you for the gift.